0: This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ and his power and love even now as you listen. It's awesome for our church to be a part of that. And so, Again, be praying this week, use your prayer guide, uh, and come prepared to give next Sunday morning as part of our of our in gathering So today we are beginning a new series on uh, on Christmas, and it 's called christmas wonder and we 're going to be talking over these next few weeks about some of the wonders of the gospel uh, that are associated with with christmas the, the titles of these messages are, are drawn from classic uh, Christmas films and Christmas songs. And so today, uh, we are going to lead off with It's a Wonderful Life. And so I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15, and we're going to look this morning at verses 7 and following. This is a wonderful text to get us ready for our Lottie Moon in-gathering. Next Sunday morning, Romans 15, and let's look at verses 7 through 13. Take your copy of God's Word and and follow, follow along as I read. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised, On behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises to the fathers, and so that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praise to your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hope in him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Lord, we pray that today as we dig into your word, that you would open our eyes, open our minds and our hearts to receive the wonderful things that are there in your word. And we pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, What's a Wonderful Life um, is a classic Christmas movie. It debuted in 1946, just a year after World War II. And the great actor Jimmy Stewart, has the lead and in the movie he plays a man who has become so depressed about the course of his life that he actually attempts suicide on Christmas Eve but an angel intervenes and uh, this angel gives gives this man, his name is George Bailey, the angel gives this man a vision of what the lives of people would have been like had he not been there. What would the lives of his family and his friends and people in his hometown, what would their lives have been like had he not been born? Had he not lived? And and, and the angel shows him the ways that he's impacted the lives of people for good. And George Bailey emerges from this experience with a renewed appreciation of the the wonder of the life that he has been given. So we're talking about the, the wonder of Christmas in this series. And we live in a world that in, in many ways has lost its ability to wonder. But we as God's people should, should of all people be people who are filled with wonder at the God who has redeemed us and made us his own. As Robert Cardinal Sarah says, men need to be astonished in order to adore, to praise, to thank God who is so good and so great. Wisdom begins with wonder. So let's talk about some of the wonders of the gospel that we see in Romans 15. First of all, the welcome of the gospel. The welcome of the gospel. Let's check out. Verse 7, it says, therefore, welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. Now, you've heard me say before, there's a rule, and especially when you're reading Paul's letters, whenever you see a therefore, you need to look and see what it's there What do the preceding verses say? So let's look at verses five and six here in chapter 15. He says, now, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Do you see the unity language there in verses five and six? He says in verse 5, he's praying that God would grant them to live in harmony with one another. And then in verse 6, he says, so that they may uh, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How? With one mind and one voice. He's emphasizing unity here. Now, there's a reason for that. In the church at Rome, there was some tension That was going on, and it was between Christians who came from a Gentile background and Christians who came from a Jewish background because they had grown up very differently, uh, two different ethnicities. They had grown up with all kinds of just different uh, religious customs and family ways and just, I mean, you know, incredibly different. But yet now they were in one body of Christ, in the family of God together as brothers and sisters. And so they were trying to work out how to do life together coming from all of these different backgrounds and so the apostle paul is calling them here to to live in harmony with one another to glorify god with one mind and one voice listen god is 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 glorified by the unity of his of his people And we see that here um, in uh, in, in verse six. When he he calls into unity, he he says, so that, purpose clause, verse six, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. So, and then again in verse seven, he says, welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to what? To the glory of God. And so, God is glorified by the unity of his people. And when his people are not united, the name of God is dragged through the dirt. And our witness is harmed. Because disunity makes it harder for people who are not yet in Christ to come to Christ. That's why Jesus says in John 13, 35, By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When outsiders see the people of God truly loving one another, they're more likely to believe that what we have is, is real. Again, Jesus says in John 17, 21, may they all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. In other words, our, our oneness is, is a powerful witness to the world that the Spirit uses to enable people to believe. And conversely, when non-Christians see this this disunity, you know, they roll their eyes and say, you know, why in the world would I ever want to be a part of that? I got enough problems out here in the world without, you know, being a part of some church where people uh, are divided and don't love one another. So disunity drags the name of Christ through the dirt. Unity glorifies God. That's what he's, that's what he's saying here as he, he calls this church in Rome to, to unity. Now, again, let's, let's look at, at verse 7. He says, Therefore, welcome one another just as christ also welcomed you to the glory of god the greek word here that's translated as as welcome in the csv can also be translated as uh, receive or accept accept uh, one one another and um because look they're coming from these different backgrounds right but he's he's saying, despite all of your differences, with all your background, you know, all of that, you, you have to learn to do life as a family and accept one another. And then he takes it back to the gospel. Accept one another, he says, how? Just as Christ also accepted you, welcomed you, right? And so Christ accepts us with all of our warts, (laughs) all of our failures, our sins, our idiosyncrasies, um, our mistakes, our flaws, all of that, right? He has accepted us, God has accepted us because we are united to Christ. And so his perfect, Christ's perfect righteousness has been credited to us. And so therefore, God accepts us based on the perfect work of Christ on our behalf. And so therefore, we are to accept one another, right? As those who have been accepted by God, we accept one another in the family of God. I love what the New Testament scholar Doug Moo says about this, Paul wants the Roman Christians to accept one another as fellow members of a family with all the love and concern that should typify brothers and sisters. And as your pastor, listen, I just want to commend you on this. There, there is not a week that goes by when I don't hear testimonies of the way that you guys are loving one another and how you are there for one another and, 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 and crisis and you know the good times and the bad. Um, but just people, come, brothers and sisters, coming alongside, being there for one another. I hear stories of that in this church all the time. And not only that, but you are a very warm congregation in the way that you welcome people who are new as, as well. But the welcome here should not only be thought of as local, right? Our own local church. We are part of a larger family, a global family in Christ. And we should be concerned about the global church. Just a couple of weeks ago, I saw a a video of a young pastor in India who, who was dragged out of the building where they were worshiping? And this pastor was being beaten with, uh, with sticks uh, savagely. And you know, when I saw that, my heart immediately went out to him. Why? Because he's my brother. I don't know him personally, but he's my brother. He's your brother. And so we are to care about the global church and the persecuted church. We are to care about the progress of the gospel and the growth of the church around the world. And we are to yearn for the praises, joyous praises to rise to our Savior and King. From every tribe and tongue, from every little hamlet and village, from every mega city around the world, from every tribe and tongue, we yearn for joyous praises to our king to ring out. And so it's about caring not only for our, our local church family, but our global family in Christ, which is what the Lottie Moon offering is all about. So, the welcome of the gospel. Second, the outreach of the gospel, which we see in verses 8 through 12. Let's, let's check out verses 8 and 9 here. He says, for I, <clears throat> I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the Father And so that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. So Paul is making a case here. And the case that he is making is that God's heart has always been that all peoples, every tribe and tongue, would know him, would glorify Christ. And that story begins with the Jewish people. So he says in verse 8 that, that Christ became a servant of the circumcised, that's Jews, on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the Father. And so Jesus comes as the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament promises to the Jewish people people there's a rise in in anti-semitism throughout the world right now i want to tell you you cannot be a christian and an anti-semite jesus is jewish and so verse eight is saying here that that christ came to 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 confirm the promises to the father the promises of the old testament but listen he is not only messiah of israel he is Lord of the world. Not, not only Jewish people, but so that what? So he, Christ comes as a servant of the circumcised Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises of the fathers, the promises of the Old Testament, but God's blessing was not meant to terminate on Israel. Israel was blessed not to be a cul-de-sac where God's promises just kind of terminate on them, but to be a channel of God's blessings to the rest of the world, right? Not not a reservoir of truth, like, hey, we've got all these promises in the Old Testament, right? And we're we're gonna hoard all those. No, not to be a reservoir of truth, but to be a river of blessing to the rest of the world. Now, when Israel... Failed in that and kind of turned inward. Did the promises of God fail? Absolutely not, because Jesus, the Savior of the world, comes from the Jewish people. Look at Genesis 12 and verses 2 and 3. God is forming. Israel here and he, and he tells them the purpose, why he's doing this. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And what? All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Right? Because the Savior was going, the Savior of the world was going to come from the Jewish people. So he blesses Israel to be a blessing. And listen, he blesses us to be a blessing to the rest of the world. Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that Your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. And so when we pray, Lord, bless us, God blesses us to be a blessing so that his way would be known throughout all the earth, his salvation among all nations, Look at verses three and four of Psalm 67. Let the peoples, plural, praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. That is the, the heart of God. And that is to be our heart as well. That all peoples, that every tribe and tongue would be singing joyous praises to Christ. That's what, that's what the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is, is, is all about. Now, this has always been the heart of God, right? This is God's heart in the Old Testament as well. And so, what Paul is going to do now in verses 9 through 12 is he is going to pile up Old Testament verse after Old Testament verse to show. You know, this has always been. The, the, the plan of God. So let's pick it up here in verse 9. So that the Gentiles may glorify God it, for his mercy as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praise to your name. Again it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hope in him. So Paul here quotes from 2 Samuel 22, Psalm 18, Psalm 117, Deuteronomy 32, and Isaiah 11 to show that this has always been the heart of God. That all peoples would know him. When he we talks about Gentiles here, that's, that's all non-Jews, right? So that's everybody, every human on earth, right? With their Jewish background, Gentile background, that, that all peoples would, would know him. Let's look at one of those verses that he's quoting from, Isaiah eleven ten. 10. On that day, the root of Jesse. Now remember from our series in David, Jesse is David's father, Right? And so uh, Jesus comes as the ultimate son of David. So on that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for what? The peoples, plural, the nations, plural, will look to him for guidance, and his resting place will be glorious. And so it's about the nations, the peoples, all peoples, all nations to know Christ. And so when the ultimate son of David comes, after his resurrection, as he prepares to ascend, he gives us our marching orders, the great commission. What does he tell us? Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations. Now how do we do that at FBC? We pray for missionaries, right? You've got a guide in your Hands for this week, and you'll receive other guides here in the next few weeks uh, with uh, the prayer requests for the missionaries that, that a lot of them that we know personally um, in our, our church. But we pray for missionaries, we go as we are able. We have a team going to Thailand here in about a week, and we give to send and support. Missionaries, as Romans 10, 10, 15 says, how can they go unless they are sent? We are a sending church. Now, let's go down in chapter 15 to verses 20 and 21 and see what Paul says here. He says, my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named so that I will not build on someone else's foundation but as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Now, Paul here is not disparaging you know, the ongoing work of the church. You know, after all, you know, the second part of the Great Commission is, is to t- teach people everything that Christ has commanded. So he's not disparaging that, What Paul did was that he would go into cities, preach the gospel, would see people come to Christ, he would make disciples, and then he would train up leaders, pastors who could shepherd those congregations on an ongoing basis. So he is not, when he says that he doesn't want to build on someone else's foundation, he's not disparaging the fact that ongoing work needs to be done in the churches, Paul is saying that his role was as a catalytic church planter and missionary. His his goal was not to, like, stay and pastor the church. What the role that God had called him to do was to win people to Christ, make disciples, train up leaders, right? And then he would go on to another city where Christ had not been named. Now, that is exactly what INB missionaries do. That's what we're supporting in the IMB, right? Their their goal is not to stay, you know, and pastor the church. No, what our missionaries do is that they go into an area where Christ has not been named, share the gospel, live among the people, see people come to Christ, make disciples, train up leaders so that congregations can start that are pastored by indigenous people, that will then go on and plant even more churches among that people group. But then our missionaries move on to another people group where Jesus has not been named. Because we sung it earlier, what? So that everyone might know your name. And there are thousands of people groups that have never heard the name. And so the priority at IMB is to get the gospel to the last, the least, and the lost, to people who have little or no access to the gospel. That's what we're supporting through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Because what? Verse 21. So that those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. There's a great scene in the the, the series Band of Brothers and it's after the American troops have taken the—they've gone into the Netherlands, and so the the Dutch had been under Nazi occupation for like you know five years, and so the kids in the Netherlands had, had they would known nothing else, you know—they'd grown up under Nazi occupation, and so the Americans uh, have gone in, and so there's this beautiful scene. Uh, where the American paratroopers go, and there's, there's a, a little Dutch boy and his dad, and one of the American paratroopers pulls out a bar of chocolate, and he gives it to the little boy. You know, little boy's maybe you know, six years old or something. And, uh, and so the little boy unwraps it, and he takes a bite of the chocolate, and there's just this angelic smile <laughs> mm-hmm. just comes over this child's face, And his father says to the American paratrooper, he's never tasted chocolate. Think about about when people have never heard the name of Christ. You know, when when they hear the good news of the gospel, right? That's what we we enable. As we send and support missionaries, right? We enable them to go and share the gospel where Christ has never been named. People have never heard So that they can taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what Paul is is saying here. The outreach of the gospel. Okay, third, the life of the gospel. Verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Talk about a wonderful life. (laughs) This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Paul here talks about, first of all, in verse 13, the the God of hope, and literally in in the Greek, the, the meaning is the God who gives hope. It's talking about God as the source of hope. And more precisely, you know, God does that. He says at, at the end of verse 13, how? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So that you may overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, so do you see the Trinity here in verse 13, right? So God the Father, the source of hope. He fills us with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, but we don't get the Holy Spirit without the Son. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We don't get the Holy Spirit apart from from the Son. But God here gives hope. He is the God who gives hope. God is the source of hope. We, We live in a culture where so many people are hopeless. Hopeless. I see this more all the time as our culture just gets darker and darker spiritually. Just, just people utterly devoid of, of hope. That's why the, the rate of suicide is on the rise. And then when you couple hopelessness with anger and demonic activity, that's when you have mass shootings. And so where does hope come from? Verse 13 says, it is not self-generated. It comes from God. He is the God who gives hope. So verse 13 is bookended by these words about hope. But then in the middle of the verse, he talks about what? Joy and peace. So let's put it all together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament scholar Tom Schreiner says this, joy and peace both stem from faith and are byproducts of believing in God's great promises. The God who gives hope does so by increasing faith, which results in joy and peace. You know, Jesus says this in John 7 and verses 37 and following. It says, On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, the one who believes in me. As the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. And so as we trust Christ more and more, we are more and more filled with the living waters of the Holy Spirit. And those living waters are full of hope and joy and peace. He invites you to taste those living waters. Let's pray together. Perhaps you're here today and you're not certain that you've ever tasted of the living waters that Christ gives. Oh, friend, he invites you to come and drink Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You are invited to partake. The work has been done. Christ lived the perfect life that we could never live. He went to the cross and died for sinners like us. He died the death we should have died, but Jesus died in our place, taking our sins upon himself, paying the penalty for our sins. He was crucified for us. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. Death has been defeated. For all who trust in Christ, would you trust Him today? Would you turn to Jesus? Turn from sin and self. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Him. Rely on His finished work on your behalf welcome him into your life as your savior and lord he will welcome you god will accept you based on the work of christ on your behalf turn to christ trust him today drink of the living waters of the gospel as a believer he's calling us to be a part of his mission in the world that's always been the heart of god to seek and to save the lost in our community and around the world. Recommit yourself to the purposes of God, the mission of God, locally, globally, right? He is calling you to that. He is calling us to be a, some, be a part of something huge. And so, Father, we, we pray that very thing. We pray that we would join you in your work locally and globally. Lord, as we, as we pray, as we give, as we go, whether that means going to another nation or going across the street uh, to share the gospel with, our, with a neighbor, sitting down at, across the table at lunch or coffee and and speaking the good news of of jesus lord we we are called to 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 go to people locally and and globally and so lord we thank you for the incredible thing that we get to do as we pray as we give as we go as we bear witness as we allow the living waters of the gospel to flow through us through our lives through our lips lord we pray for anyone here or anyone who is watching that is not certain that they have a relationship with christ lord we pray for the holy spirit to open hearts to respond to the good news of the gospel to repent and believe to turn to jesus and to trust in him Or would you work in hearts right now for your glory, sake? we ask you in Jesus' name. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin. But I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1, 12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through His Word, through prayer, and through His people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to Him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where His love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia.